Now this is our second shir on Basil Gani, Tafshin Dawud Mem. And we're sort of behind. We haven't learned yesterday, we haven't learned Mishpatim, we're still finishing Basil Gani. I hope Sunday, I hope Sunday, and everything is tentative to learn the Maimed of Yisrei, and then on Thursday we'll do Mishpatim. We'll, we'll figure out how to catch up, but we're a little bit behind, is the bottom line. Now, this is Basil Gani, and I don't want to repeat everything I said on Sunday, because Sunday we did the review. The Nikoda is that one of the many wonderful points found in the Maimed of Basil Gani is the point that says, quote, Ein Sof l'mayla den ketzel l'mata den tachlis. Ein Sof is high beyond an end, and low beyond the purpose. That's the literal translation of the words. What do these words mean? These words mean in plain English, in other words, in a completely non-mystical form, these words mean everybody knows God, then no one has the slightest idea what God is. means nobody knows, and means nobody cannot know, everybody knows. Now, the Maimir, of course, talks about this in a mystical form and so forth. But this is the Pashit Pshat. The, the reason the Maimir brings to us this mystical idea, this idea, is to explain Oitzev, right? Everybody knows that the Maimir Basel Gai talks about Bizbaz Ha'oitzev, the Kimmy giving out the treasure. Lahovering in Ha'oitzev, the Maimir, to explain the heavenly treasure. He brings this idea. In Sof means nobody really has it, and everybody has it. In discussing that everybody has it, there's two prakim. One pedic, chapter 13, which is the pedic from Tafshin Mem Gimel, the year before the one we're learning, discusses the idea of in Sof in terms of hiddenness. Hashem is hidden in the deepest, darkest colors. He's hidden in Mitzrayim, in the most klipa place Hashem is hidden. In this year's Patek, Patek Yudalet, Tavshin Dalet Mem, the Maimer says, not only is Hashem found everywhere, even the deepest and darkest goliaths, but Hashem is actually revealed. In whatever environment, in whatever world, in whatever level, thank you very much, a person finds himself on, not only is Hashem present, but Hashem is actually begoli. This is the point. And I mentioned to you yet last time we learned, on Sunday I gave you a dogma for this, which I thought was quite accurate, from nuclear waste. I think it's just an incredible example that they buried these rods underneath some mountain, someplace in Wyoming or Arizona or someplace like that. These nuclear waste. And they have to check to see that there's no leakage. So from time to time they open it up. And they found life down there. They found life that's eating death. It's an amazing thing. In other words, you talk about a living planet. Yeah, this world is a living... It's not a planet that has living things. It's a living planet. You can have a, a, a physical phenomenon which literally represents death itself. And somehow there's living things that can be nourished from this. This is a muscle. The nimshal is the idea that as dark and as conflu- confused and convoluted as our world is, you c- if you want, you can find the Hebrew everywhere. Hashem is revealed everywhere. This is the essence of the mind. Now, when we learned this on Sunday, I didn't explain this. And part of the reason I didn't explain it is because I'm not sure how to explain it. 
But today I want to offer you a little bit of a thought, a bit of a commentary on this idea, what it means that Hashem is revealed everywhere. If this is the wrong page, you want the other page, the one that's wandering around. You haven't had an idea, which is a chidosh al you should know. In other words, it's a concept in Kabbalah, which doesn't say any place in Kabbalah. It's a concept in Kabbalah that Al-Tarebbe creates. And in short, the chidosh that Al-Tarebbe says in Tere'en, in Pashat Vayero, is... We all know about the concept of Tzimtzum. Correct? We all know about the concept of Tzimtzum. Classic Kabbalah, concept of Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum basically means that you can either have worldliness or godliness. You can't have a mix. Worldliness, which means Helem, and godliness, which means Giloy, are incompatible. If Hashem is revealed, there's no hiddenness. If Hashem is hidden, there's no revelation. You can't put the two together. It's called Tzimtzum. Simple concept. Darizah was the one who taught the idea of Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum gets very complicated because of the question whether Tzimtzum is Kepshute, Tzimtzum is not Kepshute. Does it mean that the light isn't here? Do you not see it? Then you get the Chassidus. And the Al-Tarebbe says a radical Chiddush. And the Chiddush that the Al-Tarebbe says is as follows. When we discuss the question of Tzimtzum, in other words, when we discuss the very idea that in order for there to be a world, Hashem has to hide His light, this concept applies only to the concept that we call in our culture Oyer, the light of the Ebshter. But when it comes to Moir, when it comes to Hashem Himself, Hamo Oyer Hubi Hizgalos. Hamo Oyer Hubi Hizgalos means to say Hashem Himself is always available. The Tzimtzum doesn't touch God. The idea that in order for there to be a world, Hashem has to hide something, applies only to light. When it comes to Hashem Himself, Hashem is everywhere. And the Alter Rebbe says, not only is Hashem everywhere, Hashem is revealed, and everybody knows Him. Hashem is present, Hashem is revealed, and everybody knows Him. What's the proof? What's the proof that when we speak about Tzimtzum, when we look at the world, we don't see God, we see world, we see Halabahestet. Whose fault is it? It's the Abishta's fault. Abishta created a Tzimtzum. Abishta hid His presence. Says the Alter Rebbe, the whole concept of hiding applies only to his quote light. Oir, when it comes to the Ebishtin himself, we say no. Hashem himself is ever present. Hashem himself is ever present. What's the proof of this? Alter Rebbe says a proof which is uncomfortable. Uncomfortable not because it's not logical, but because it is logical. The Alter Rebbe says, "Shame shomayim shogur befi keila befi What that means in simple English is as follows. The most difficult concept for any human being to ever contemplate is the concept of God. It's easier to understand mathematics and biology and abstract physics than to understand God. That doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. That makes sense. It makes sense that it's harder to understand the idea of a creator and what it means to be the creator and to understand the creation itself. And yet there's a funny phenomenon which is that what? People who don't understand one plus one have opinions on God. When it comes to the Ibish, that everyone's an expert. Everyone is talking about God. Now frequently they're not saying such nice things, but it doesn't matter. Dr. Rebbe says, how does it happen that if you have intelligent people and not such intelligent people and ordinary people and simple people and ignorant people, and when it comes to all other areas of knowledge, everybody, so to speak, knows his place. And when it comes to God, everybody's got an opinion. So the Alter Rebbe says the reason for this is, the real reason for this is, 
because every human being senses him. What we're discussing, what we're reacting to, is Hamor and Hubi his galos. There's a presence of Akadosh Baruch in our world that it's not intellectual, it's not sensual, we're not reacting to it with our senses, it's not action and reaction, it's not him touching us and us being touched. It's, it's a much more atzmiyazdik, it's much more I know God by knowing me kind of thing, but everybody knows God. And the Alter Rebbe says, this is a raya, that the whole question of tzimtzum never touches the Eibishter. It touches only Eir. It touches only the light of the Eibishter. The Eibishter himself, Hamma'ir, who be his gals. Everybody has an innate sense, everybody has an inner, deeper sense. The Eibishter is here, and uh, I gotta deal with it. I deal with it by trying to kill the Eibishter, by being angry at the Eibishter, by saying the Eibishter is not reasonable, the Eibishter is cruel, it's better they wouldn't be an Eibishter to be an Eibishter can do such bad right. things. Those are details. The bottom line is, everyone is talking about the Eibishter. Why? Because be his gala. This is a concept in Teira In the language of Hasidus, this is called Ato. Ato du, Atmos Right, the Hayyem Yem of Simchas Teira. Ato du. The Eibishter himself allows us to know him by being present. The Eibishter himself, you showed yourself that we should know him. In this Shtikl Maimer, you don't have the page because I have the page. I didn't give you the first page. I gave you only the second page. He brings the Pasuk and he stops on the word Viyatom. He says, you... Everybody has a sense of the Eibishter because you, the Eibishter himself, was revealed. So to bring this into the context that we're discussing, means means that is a concept of godliness which nobody knows and everybody knows. means nobody knows what it is. means it's impossible to suppress. Everybody has a sense of the Eibishter. Now here is the problem. The problem is, I just explained to you what it means that the Abish is revealed, not based on this Maimon, based on Tereir. This Maimon doesn't say what I said. And what does it say in Tereir? That Hashem Himself, right, what we call for lack of words, euphemistically and simplistically, Atmos is present. There's no Tzimtzum when it comes to Atmos, and we all know Him. But Ein Sof Lomayla Adein Ketzol Lomata Adein Tachas is not about the Abishter. Hashem is not Ein Sof. The light of the Abishter is Ein Sof. Right? So when the previous Rebbe quotes the Tikkun and the Tikkun says, you should know, God is, godliness is known by no one and unsuppressible by anyone. Nobody knows what godliness is and yet everybody has a sense of godliness. We're talking about light. We're talking about Oyer. The explanation I gave you is not about Oyer. The explanation I gave you is about Mo'er, about the source. And the Friedrich Rebbe Take, the Friedrich Rebbe in his Maimer, when interpreting this idea, in means there is an idea called godliness which is unsuppressible. There's an idea called godliness which everybody knows. So the implication is that there's two concepts. Concept one is Mo'er, the Ebishter himself we know. But there's also a second concept. The second concept is that godliness, the light of the Eibishter, is somehow also known to us. Not only is Hashem himself revealed, this is what the Rebbe says in the Maimed, but that Lamata Adin Tachlis says 
that there is a concept of godly light which is also somehow revealed in this world. This is what the previous step is implying. Of course, the question becomes, where do you see godly light? Where do you see godly light? Where do you see light of the Abishad in this world? It's a very, very difficult question to answer. It's a very difficult thing to comprehend. Now, the Reb doesn't explain it. He doesn't explain it. He simply states as a matter of fact. The Reb tells you a matter of fact. You should know that godliness, not just God, not just Moel, which is what I explained to you, but godly light, godliness is present everywhere and revealed everywhere. He doesn't explain how, he doesn't explain why. He states as a matter of fact, if you were here on Sunday, the Rebbe goes into this concept called Er Chayes in Koyach, which unfortunately, if I had more time, it's 5 to 11, I haven't even started learning with you yet, I would go into, I don't have the time. <coughs> but the Rebbe develops a concept called Er, another concept called Chayes. He says the light of Hashem is present in this world, the life of Hashem is present in this world. But the Rebbe argues, the Rebbe's taina is, the Rebbe's posit is, that in Sof Lamata Nitachos means that in this earth, Hashem is revealed. That's concept A. That's the easy concept to understand. That's Atta. But in addition, there's a concept B. Not only is Hashem himself revealed, but even godliness, the light of Hashem is revealed. He doesn't explain how. And I don't know the explanation. Which of course creates a problem. Right? How do you learn a Maimed and say what the Maimed says and you don't understand what the Maimed is saying? I have only <coughs> one thought. I have only one thought. And I don't know if this is true and I certainly don't know if this is the Pshat. Where is godliness revealed in this earth? My answer is, godliness is revealed in this earth in life. Chayas, life. What do the Mamari Hasidah say about life? What do the Mamari say? Not what does biology say about life. What do the Mamari Hasidah say about life? What the Mamari Hasidah say about life is the following. Everybody knows that life is spiritual. We just don't know what spirituality is. In other words, if we lived in Elam Yitzirah, if we lived in El Mabriya, if we lived in a spiritual world, we would not only know we're alive, we would appreciate that life is spiritual. On earth, we know we're living. We know that living means something. We have no idea what life is. We have no idea where life comes from. In other words, what I'm saying in plain English is as follows. In the world, the secular world in which we live, they're trying to figure out what life is, right? What is the meaning of a living thing? And they have basic scientific definitions about what a living thing is. It reproduces, it eats, it gives out waste, it replicates itself on many, many levels, and it's separated from its environment. To be a living thing, you have to be separated from it. If you're part of your environment, you're not living. <coughs> All kinds of definitions for life. But scientists insist that you can explain life based on physical things alone. A living thing is a combination of chemicals, the physical parts, which add up to chemical parts, which add up to organic parts that are designed like very, very sophisticated machines that replicate themselves, that send messages, that communicate, and that create all kinds of integration and balance. Yiddishkeit believes in a neshama. Not in a neshama of a human being, a neshama of an ant, of a microorganism, of a single-celled organism. Here in this Maimed Rebbe says, the neshama of a stone. So the Maimed is saying, in effect, everybody knows there's a soul. You can try as hard as you want to make believe, to insist, to assert there's no such thing as an Ishama. Life is a physical thing. And Hasidah says, everybody knows that that's not true. In other words, even the person who's the biggest arguer against the soul, 
No, there's a place of him that knows. Life is not physical. There's something about life which is metaphysical, and that's a revelation of the Abishtid in this world. So let me just make something very let's make it clear again. The Maimed assertion in this page is in Tzav Lamata Al-Dachlis means there's evidence of the Abishtid everywhere. Abishtid unsuppressible. Concept one, Hashem himself is fully revealed. But when it comes to Hashem himself, it's I know God by knowing me really. I'm not relating to the Abishtid, I'm an expression of him. And concept two, that the light of the Abishtid is revealed. How is the light of the Abishtid revealed in this earth? The Maimed does not explain these states as a matter of fact. And the explanation which I'm offering, and that's all this is, is a pshat, because the Maimed doesn't say it clearly, is that the, the symptom of life, the symptom of light of the Abishtid on this earth is life. When you look at a living thing, you must admit there's a soul. You must admit that there's a soul. They once did a, a study. Right? There are people out there who do believe that there's a soul. They took a, a, a simple organism, whatever yeah. it was, you know, an organism that's made up of a few hundred cells as opposed to thousands of cells. And they tore it into shreds. They ground it up into chopped meat. I mean, tearing cells apart is not such a simple thing. And they put it in a petri dish. And it reassembled itself. I read this in a book. It's a fact. They took a living being, tore him to pieces. That means they killed him, took him apart. They put him in a petri dish, put himself back together. Now, how could that happen? If life is simply what's called the composite, the convergent parts, the sort of life has been dissembled, been torn to pieces. The only explanation is that even when they tore it apart, it was still alive. How could it be alive if it's torn to pieces? The only explanation is there's an element of life which is not the biological, not the physical. The spirit. It's called an ashame. That's Gileolikus. You see a living thing, you're seeing the Abish to reveal. And again, I am not sure that this is the Pshat in the Maimed, but I don't have a better one. So if you have a better one, by all means, go ahead and share it. <coughs> but if you don't, you're stuck with me. What can I tell you? I apologize. So this is what the Maimed is saying. In soft the Matal Dachas means not only is the Abish everywhere, and Abish to leanness, get kite everywhere, there's a deal in the Abish. So the Rebbe asks a funny question. We're on page Ayin Kim. And he asks a question. And I'm not sure what his question is. Now if somebody asks a question, you're not sure what the question is, it becomes impossible to know what the answer is. Which makes this class an exercise in exercise. If you know what I'm saying, yeah? And I have a question. We are asserting, based on the previous that means that godliness is not only here, but revealed. And revealed in the Maimon's language in Eden Chayis, you see revelation interested in life. I have a question. Do you do how we know We talk about living things, physical things being living. Yes, there's another concept. The three concepts we had in the Shir of Sunday were Oir, light. What does light mean? Something that reflects a source. Chayis, life. What does life mean? Something that reflects the body into which it goes. In other words, another way of saying Oiren Chayes is Sevev Kalaman and Mamalak Kalaman. Eid is Sevev, reflection of the source. Chayes is Mamalak. And Koyach, we're going to translate as energy. Koyach is a physical thing. Because in the body there is light. In life, you see it through the body energy. Oiren Chayes and Koyach. All of these three things says that ever reveal. When you look at a living thing and you see that it's alive, on the levels of Eir and Chayes and Koyach, that's a Gilead in this world. 
This is what the Friedrich Rebbe says in the Maimon. But the Rebbe says, I have a kasha. What's the kasha? Because there's another concept. Bechinas shame, the name of the creation. And the question that the Rebbe is asking is, I always thought that the life of a creation is based on its name. All of a sudden, undiscovered life of creation is based on what it reveals. All of us know what the teaches. I'm sorry, the names of the various creations in the world. These are the letters of Hashem's speech. That when Hashem spoke, and He said, let there be people, and let there be animals, and so forth. So, from the which comes from the ten utterances in the Teira, the Chaluf, Mutman, Every single creation is made from one of the letters of Sadamah Maris and the basis of our names. Like it says in the Medrash, that when you say Shoyr, Shin, Vav, Resh, that's the life, that's the Neshama, that's the Pneumius of an ox. And we all know what the Halakha Magid teaches. But it says in the Apostle, Hashem takes all the animals to Adam Rishon. And Adam Rishon gives them names, and then the Apostle says, the names Adam Rishon gave them is in fact their names. That sounds redundant. If someone comes to you and says, do me a favor, give my child a name. Okay, name is Baruch. So child's name is Baruch. And the name that plenty and plenty said is Baruch. Why say it twice? What's the tenets? So the Mithritian Magid explains, what it means to say that when Adam Rishon gave names, skip the parenthesis, Adam Rishon, as they say in Yiddish, Adam Rishon named an animal Sheir, he saw the Chayas of the Sheir. This is why the Magad explains. It says in the Medrash, that Adam Rishon is considered incredibly intelligent. He was able to name animals. Adam Rishon is considered smarter than angels in giving names. Why is it hard to give a name? What's a name? A word. What's a word? A group of syllables. That's a name. That's all. I don't know if you want your children to have that name, but it can become popular too. Anything can happen in the world we live in. Yeah? What's a name? Why is there such a big chokhmah? And the answer is, When he gave them names, as they say in Yiddish, and at Sugitraf, and he looked at each physical creation and could see the oasis of the Asana which with this creation was created. So, what is the Rebbe's question? How come the Friedrich Rebbe says, Ain't soft, Lamata Takas means you see God is revealed in this world? Where do you see God is revealed in this world? Not only in the Deva Moiru Beskalos, but in the idea of Oyer. Where do you see Oyer in this world? And again, this is my interpretation when you're looking at a living being. So the Rebbe says, I thought the real life of a human being is their name. And when you look at a human being, you see his name. Yeah, how many Chayamushkas do you know? Yeah, how many of those Chayamushkas are similar and dissimilar? And how dissimilar are they? So exactly what does a name tell you about a person? A person told me that the Rebbe is This is very, a big Makur of Lamalthus. She had a child named Veda Leia. When they named the child Veda Leia, the Rebetzin said, all the Veda Leias have a certain kind of energy. This was the Rebetzin's comment. And this Veda Leia grew up. She had a lot of energy, but she uh, exhausted her parents, shall we say. <laughs> I've got the father and the mother told me it would be nice if this Veda Leia would reflect more the way the Rebetzin predicted how the Veda Leia is going to look than the Veda Leia turned out. Anyway, she's not a kid anymore. She's a woman and she's Baruch Hashem giving lots of nachas. But a name reveals something about a person that reveals nothing about a person. So what's the Rebbe's kasha? 
What's bothering the Rebbe about the Friedrich Rebbe? What's his problem? The Friedrich Rebbe said, you see life, you see God when it's revealed in the world of life. The Rebbe asked a question, I thought life is a name. And the name is not revealed. Four people have the name Shmerl. They have nothing in common. So what's the kasha? What the Rebbe is saying in effect is just something else. Fine. The Rebbe seems to be bothered by something. What's bothering the Rebbe? What is bothering the Rebbe? What's the Rebbe's problem? And I don't know what the answer is. If you will do me a favor and go down a few lines. It says, It's exactly the middle of the paragraph. The line that begins with the word Kulum. Well, now that we know that the name of a person reflects the essence of a person, the question becomes, how is this How can we make consistent the idea that the name of the person is the real life of the person with what says in the Maimed of Hilula, that doesn't just mean that you're living, but that your living reveals Eibishter. And they move on. The question is compounded. We know that A, and the Rebbe says in parenthesis, Vishem versus the name, Heim Beis Hochim are two opposites. How are they opposites? Why? Because the meaning of the word light, and even the meaning of the word life, is to reveal. The name is hidden. So what's bothering the Rebbe? What's bothering the Rebbe? What's bothering the Rebbe? What's, bo- what's bothering the Rebbe? The previous Rebbe says there's evidence of God in this world. God cannot be suppressed in this world. What's the evidence of God in this world? That living things are living and that the life reflects a connection to a source. So the Rebbe says, wait, I thought life has to do with a name and the name, shame, will begin to tell him. What's bothering the Rebbe? What's bothering the Rebbe? Does anybody know? Because I don't. Mama Friello, what's bothering him? I think what the Rebbe is trying to say is that when you look at life, you're actually seeing something that's covering over what life really is. You look at a living thing. What do you see? You see motion. Right? The first symptom of a living thing is motion. If you look a little deeper, you look at a living thing, you see order, organism, coordination, right? integration. And you see purpose, you see intent. right? A living thing. The Rebbe says, wait... According to what Hasidus teaches us, that the real life of a living thing is a name, everything you see about a living thing is not revealing life, it's covering it over. And the Shaila is, if when you look at a living thing, what you see is covering over what life really is, how are we saying that this is revelation? Now again, I first of all don't necessarily think that this is the question. And second of all, I'm not sure I think my question makes sense. This is all so equivocal. Yeah? But the Rebbe is asking Akasha. You see evidence of godliness in life. What you see about life is suppressing what life really is. What life really is, you don't see. This is the Rebbe's Akasha. It's a good Akasha, I think. And he goes on to say a very beautiful idea. By the base, on the margin of your page, I made a base. The idea that the name hides is also indicated in Shara when he says he says he should know a doimim also has a neshama what's a doimim? a doimim means a mineral right you should know that when Rabbi Nissen Mendel was translating the Tanya he translated the word doimim as inanimate and the Rebbe crossed it out and said it's not sure a doimim is not inanimate and that doimim is quite animated 
and it's animated by the Kei So the Rebbe used a different word, but he didn't like the word inanimate, because nothing is inanimate. Even physically, right? if you could look at a stone under the proper microscope, you'll see so much motion, you'll get dizzy. Mm-hmm. Nothing is still. Nothing, things look still to our perception. So you know how the Rebbe translates the word daimim? Not still, but silent. A daimim is quiet. Shemesh begiven daim. How does Hasidus translate the word daim? Not to stop. To stop saying shira, to be quiet. A daimim is alive and doesn't say so. That's how it translates the word daimim. Then when the Rebbe uses the word Daimim Mamesh, it doesn't mean Daimim that it's still, but it is silent, it's quiet. Most creations, skip the parenthesis, show you that they're alive, that they're living. Most living things, that means plants and animals and Havel people. And the Rebbe says in Yiddish, They reveal godliness by demonstrating their life. And the Rebbe brings from the Pedic Shira. There's a whole medrash called Pedic Shira. When I saw Pedic Shira the first time, I didn't even know whether I should laugh or cry. It makes absolutely no sense. It's a whole medrash that quotes maybe a hundred animals. And the song that they sing every day, the elephant and the dog and the fish and the bird, it's so interesting and it makes no sense. It, ah. <laughs> Why is the elephant saying this pasuk and the dog saying another pasuk and the wolf saying a third pasuk? It's a funny, funny medrash. But there's a lot of Pedic Shida in Chesidus. Like many other things, we don't say Pedic Shida, so most of us don't even know Pedic Shida exists. But it's a very exotic medrash that says every animal says Shida and what the Shida is. Stones... Don't say Shira. They're Daimim. Daimim doesn't mean they're still, it means they're quiet. They're Zogun Ganesh. Because Hashem is so concealed on six lines from the bottom. Yesh Nevroim Shehim Bebchinah Daimim, those creations that are totally silent. Shehainam Magalim, the Rebbe says in Yiddish, Zei Zogun Nisht. They say not the life which is inside of us. Okay? Says the says, even an animal, a creation, which is still in silent. Skipping the parenthesis, they're also living. And that's the meaning of a name. So the Rebbe says, look at a stone. The stone also was alive. But you don't see life in the stone. Why not? Because the nature of life is linked to the name, and the name is covered over. So just like when you look at a stone. You don't see life because the life of the stone is the name and the name is hidden. When you look at a plant and you're looking at an animal and you're seeing life, the life you're seeing isn't really how it's living. It's really living because of the name. And the name you don't see. So the question the Maimon is asking, and I really am not sure if this is the question. This is what I think the question is. The question that Eva says is, you see evidence of godliness in life? I say when you're seeing evidence of life, it's covering over godliness. Because the godliness of each living thing is silent. And the noise that's being demonstrated is not allowing you to see what life really is. In other words, what's a living being his name? Everything about a person distracts you from focusing on the Hebrew name. You go to a Rebbe. Okay? Go to a Rebbe. What do you do? It's the most remarkable thing. I, it's just amazing. I, mean, I remember watching this. When was I able to stand by the Rebbe and watch the Rebbe? Listen to people's names. By dollars, they didn't let you stand. Yechidus was private. But by Keshav 
Keshavrach, I stood for many years under the Rebbe until something happened and I stopped standing under the Rebbe. I stand Mamish beneath the Rebbe. Keshavrach, everyone's moving. And of course, you have the tuggers and the pullers, the pushers and the pinchers. There's about six or seven people making sure that you don't even stand on the ground as you pass by the Rebbe. It's almost like handing you, one is holding you on this side. They don't let you stop. But nevertheless, people managed to stop and talk to the Rebbe. And it was interesting to observe. And sometimes the Rebbe would say, Keshavrach is very noisy. So the Rebbe would scream, What's his name? And the Rebbe would say, Nein, the name is Nam, Shmoy And of course, what's so interesting about the Rebbe and Shmoy is, you would say to the Rebbe the name of the mother's name, and the Rebbe showed no reaction. But it just went into the Rebbe. And whatever bracha, whatever nespeli you needed, you know, just the Rebbe showed no reaction. But he wanted you to say the name. And there are occasions when people ask people names, and they didn't know names. So the Rebbe told them the name and said, say it back to me. <laughs> Talk about a Rebbe. All the boss needs is your name and your mother's name. That's it. Everything else is gravy. Why? Because this is your life. Your life is your name. Says the Rebbe, when you look at a stone, you see that the life of a stone, which is a name, is doim, is silent. Why? Because there's no outer symptoms of life. There's no motion. There's, no, there's no, none of the other aspects of life. So the question that my mind is, just like when you look at a stone, and you know that the stone is alive because it has a name, it doesn't show the symptoms of life. In a human being, the life that you and I see, in the animal, on the plant, the life that you and I see, is not revealing godliness, it's covering over it. Because the real godliness is the name, and the real godliness <laughs> is suppressed. The real madness is in a state of hell. Now, if you understand that question, I'm very happy, because I don't understand that question, but I think this is the question. I don't know if it's the question, I think it's the question. So could you say then that we see more godliness in, in a diamond? Because at least there's nothing... No Distracting. There? Uh, perhaps. And there's a lot of psychology to this also. Huh? When are you meeting a real person? When he doesn't need to announce himself. When a person is comfortable sitting still and being quiet, that's health. A person who always needs to fill a space. There's a lady who once said to me about a friend of theirs. If they stop speaking, they think they disappear. A normal person can keep quiet and they're fine. Why? Because they take up their own space. Nobody can take that space away from them. And I think this is what the Rebbe is trying to argue. What you... what really would reveal godliness is not revealed. And what you're seeing is not allowing that truth to be on the surface. Look at the side. Last line of the page. The Rebbe explains in the Maimed. What makes us alive. Who had us oil circled. Light. Now you're on top of page Ayin Dalad now. And oil dafka bechinas gila the day of revelation. And the Rebbe goes into some rather complicated Argument that even yesh mayayin is gilead alaki, which doesn't make any sense. But the Rebbe says yesh mayapen happens b'derach erev. Yesh mayapen b'derach erev. It is gilead and I'm not going to explain that to you. The underlying point is the Rebbe says, what's the raya that is God in this world? That you see evidence of life, or that there's a a piece of the Abish that each creation in their name, which is in the state of Elam. And the question is, how could the previous Rebbe define life, and accordingly define divine revelation? By life, when all life is doing is covering over what life really is, which is the name of the creation. I think this is the question. I don't know, but I think. Next paragraph. Who here comes the answer, and the answer is as follows: When we say 
that a living thing is an expression of godliness because it has a name is also true. And that it's in a state of hiddenness, like in a daimim, it's also true. Because the life which is in your name is a, has an advantage over the life in your motion, and your animation, and your expression. Ella, it is only the concept of life linked to your name, which is your essence, versus the concept of life linked to your function, which is not the essence, and is revealed, there's an advantage in each. The advantage in the name is that it's the truth, but its disadvantage is that it's hidden. The advantage of the evident life is that you could see it. The disadvantage in evident life is that it's not real, not really what life is. In other words, what the Rebbe says in answering the question is that when the previous Rebbe says that the proof that there's a God is that you see life, the previous Rebbe means something complicated. He doesn't mean the proof that there's a God is that you see motion. He means that when you look at a living thing and the living thing is in motion, and the living thing replicates itself, and the living thing is organized, and the living thing is self-contained and separate from the world around itself, etc., 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 what you see ultimately reveals an essence. In other words, you look at a person, and you say, this person is alive. Why is he alive? Because he's doing many, many things. But what is a person really? The evident life leads you to the non-evident life. You look, to use the classic language of the mind, you look at the light and life of a living being and safe call safe, you discover its name. You look at a living thing, you see the outside symptoms of life, but they lead you to discover that a living thing is really much, much deeper and the depth is shame. That's the answer. The question is that evident life seems to cover over the name which is real life. And the answer is no. Through the evident life, you get to discover that there's something much more meaningful here. I think this is the answer. Since the life on the level of a name is hidden, I circled the word right. When you look at a living thing, you look at a person, you meet a human being, you meet their outside. But by meeting the outside, it leads you to ultimately identify the essence of what it means to be human, which is the name. And if there would be no motion, you wouldn't see life on an external level, it would never lead you to the deeper level. And therefore the answer is, yes, life reveals the Eivishter, because although on the surface it reveals function, it reveals outer activity, it reveals animation, it leads you to discover that a human being is so much more than what you see. And that's so much more. That's really life. That's really the Ebishter. And he brings the Tere from the Tzemach Tzedek. The Tzemach Tzedek talks about planting seeds. There's two concepts of planting seeds. One concept of planting seeds is that Hashem plants seeds in the Jewish people. The Jewish people are called Eretz Chavitz, a desired land. Why are we called a desired land? Because we're very fertile and we hold many secrets. Inside the Jew there's many secrets. What is the seeds the Ebishter plants in a Jew? Tere Mitzvah. When Yidin do Teda Mitzvahs in this world, they produce a profit. They produce uh, a gain. Hashem puts Teda Mitzvahs into us. We perform the Teda Mitzvahs. We don't give back to Eibishter only his investment. We give back to the Eibishter more than his investment. That's a marshal of planting a seed. The second marshal of planting a seed is that the land of Egypt is called Eretz. Golos is called Eretz. 
and Vazatiho as base Yisrael, Hashem plants Jews in Golos. Just like you plant seed in earth, it produces a, a crop, it produces a gain. You plant Yidin in Golos, you plant Yidin in Mitzayim, they grow from the Golos and there's a net gain. So you're planting a seed. Whether the seed is Yiddishkeit in a Jew, or the seed is the Jew himself in Golos, what happens when you plant a seed? It rots in the ground. It's hidden. It shows nothing. But the ultimate result of planting a seed in the ground is that there's going to be a profit. There's going to be a return. Right? If you look at the end of the paragraph, Hinei, Planting a mitzvah in a yid. And planting a yid in Golos is the same. There's a gain. Something grows. It's not only you get back what you invested, you get back more than you invested. How do you get back more than you invested? Okay? Let's read the next three lines. The reason. The idea that the way to gain more Jews, to gain more Yiddishkeit, is by going into darkness. Which means in plain English, until you have darkness, you can't discover essence. When you have light, the light dazzles, the light distracts. The light reveals the Abish. But what it's revealing is what we call in our culture only Ha'ad. It's not the truth. The darkness forces you to see deep. So the Rebbe's argument is, what does it mean? What does the Friedrich Rebbe mean? When he says, you look at life and you see a symptom of God, the answer is because life reveals not only the peripheral levels of life, but the essence of life. How do you discover the essence of life but seeing the periphery of life? Through the struggles. The struggles make us discover who we really are. I think there's a psychological element to this as well. The light reveals the name. That's the point of the mind. So the previous Rebbe says, you should know Hashem is revealed everywhere. He means, save Kosov, a human being is able to reveal the very essence of his humanity, not just the function of his humanity. And then goes a whole explanation. The Rebbe goes into a whole ariches about what a name means. Okay? So we have to do this, so to speak, on the, the, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, look at I and He. You see I made a test and a Yud and a Yeralf and a bunch of asterisks. Just navigate with me. Stay with my numbers and have an easy time. Number test. Light has an advantage, which means life has an advantage, and it reveals. The air light is like a source. You want to know the source, look at the light. In other words, you want to know how greater the human being is. Look at his life, look at his accomplishment, look at what he's doing, and so forth and so on. Okay? Now go to the Yud. Alternatively, there's an advantage in the name of a person over the light of a person. What is the name? The name is the essence. Says the Rebbe, the air, the revealed expressions of the person. Parenthesis. reveals a lot. You look at a human being and see everything a human being has accomplished in his life, and it could be considerable. You haven't really met the person. You've met what the person's accomplished. Done. Mashenkin shame. If you can encounter the person's name, the person's essence. Parenthesis. It's in a state of separateness. Separateness means your essence is separate from your expression. 
everything you do will never add up to what you really are, says the Rebbe, that's your essence. And therefore, through the name, you bring back the essence, and of course, it gives the example from a person who faints. So the Rebbe says, you look at the life of a person, it tells you an awful lot, but it's not the essence. The essence of the person, you cannot see. It's like the daimon, it doesn't say anything. But the combination works. When you look at what the person does, it leads you to find out what and who the person really is. And like the Rebbe said in the previous paragraph, that happens in darkness, in struggle. When you plant a seed, then you discover the essence of the person. Okay. Next paragraph, Yud Aleph. And accordingly we can explain. When you speak about a living being being alive, and that when you see the life of a human being, it's revealing the Eibishter, you're not just meeting the levels of the person that naturally show themselves, you're meeting the level of the person that naturally doesn't show itself. Even though the name or the essence of a person is hidden, the essence of the person has something which none of the function of the person will tell you. Because the light or life or function of the person it reveals a lot about who the person is. It's audible vad. It's only peripheral. And for sure, life. I'm skipping these details. I don't want to go into this. Please go four lines from the bottom of page Ayin Hey. Now there's a And therefore, although the essence of a human being called his name is doimim, as the man says, it says nothing. But it's much, much more the essence of who the person is. So the Rebbe says. That this is the pshat. You need evident life. You need oil and chayes to introduce you to the God that is another human being, the Godness of the human being. But ultimately, it helps you discover the name of that human being, which is by definition impossible to know. And he says this is true even in Goyesha names and in Klipa creations and so forth. Page I involves three lines from the top of the page. Amram. The essence is stuck in the name, but it's in a state of hiddenness. You need the function, the outer dimensions of the life and the light of the human being. And it allows you to see not only the functional level of life, but the essence of life. It joins both advantages together. The essence, which is the name can ultimately be revealed and the Rebbe connects it to Hashem Shalom and Da'akise Shalom and Shleim Asa'am and Shleim Asa'am and Shleim Asa'am and that's how the Maimah finishes. So what is the Rebbe doing to the Fini Big Rebbe's Maimah? What the Rebbe is doing to the Fini Big Rebbe's is saying in effect and this, this is a little bit bold but I think this is what he's doing is that what the Fini Big Rebbe really wants to say he doesn't say at all. He says only the secondary thing. And the Rebbe says, but he means through the secondary, the primary. In other words, all the three the Rebbe discusses is the symptom. You see godliness revealed everywhere. Not just in the word va'ata, which is called the moir, but in mechaye, in life, which is oil. So the Rebbe, wait a minute. The evident light and life is not revealing, but it's covering over. And the Rebbe says, no, it's not. It's presenting. 
You want to meet the essence of the person, you have to first meet the functionality, you meet the outside of the person. The outside of the person brings you to the panemius of the person. So therefore, the Rebbe says, there is evidence of the Abish to himself in this world. When you look at the Abish's creation, and at first you see the Tom, at first you see the relationship level of living beings. But if you go deep enough, you discover that every one of these living beings has an essence. And the level of this essence is not about how well he interacts with other beings and how well he exploits his environment, but a being whose life is from the inside. That's the real revelation of the Ebrist. And the Rebbe says, the Friedrich Rebbe doesn't say any of this. But he means it. 